take time out. Time to regroup before you lose the bout. Freeze the frame. Back this it is up. the pod to Or you wrap it up. Gears are getting shorter. Lines on your face are getting longer. I don't, I don't know that this song is. Don't panic, you, you, don't You know it uh, enough so far that I'm suspecting you have a lyric sheet in front of Can't you. Can't fight it. I do have the lyric sheet in front of me. I don't know how the beat goes. Ah. Can't fight it like taxes at least. It happens only once in your life. They're singing happy birthday. You just want to lay down and cry. Not just another birthday. It's 39. Why can't you stay 29? How you just still feel like you're 22? Turn, turn 30, 1990, bang, you're dead. What can you do? Friends are getting fatter. Hairs on your head are getting thinner. Feel like a cleanup batter on a team that ain't a winner. Okay, the, it's not all chorus. Like, the, a lot of the lines you're saying are part of the verses and free chorus. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, how do the ber- verses go? I don't you're know. The, the only expert. melody I remember is the chorus. That's it's the only like one that I remember, too. Yeah. That's, why don't we, I, I'm going to listen to it a little bit. But y'all sing along to it. Okay. Beep, beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. Up the clock. Take time out. Time to regroup before you lose the bell. Freeze the frame. Back it up. Time to refocus, but before they wrap it up, years are getting shorter, lines on your face are getting longer, feel like you're treading water, but the riptide's getting stronger, don't panic, don't jump ship, can't fight it, like taxes, at least it happens only once in your life. They're singing happy birthday. You just want to lay down and cry. Not just another birthday. It's 3090. Why do you say 29? How you still feel like you're 22. Turn 30, 1990. Bang, you're dead. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? Play the runway, weather pass. Try one more approach before you're out of gas. Hands are getting fatter. Hands on your head are getting thinner. Feel like a cleanup batter. On a team that ain't a winner, don't freak out, don't strike out, can't fight it like City Hall, at least you're not alone, your friends are there too, they're singing happy birthday, you just wish you could run away, who cares about a birthday but but 3090, hey, can you be optimistic, you're no longer the ingenue. Turn 30, 1990, boom, you're passe. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? And in Tinkerbell, Dwayne to Neverland, Emerald City's gone to hell. Since the wizard blew off his command, on it you hear the voices. Lost children, crocodiles, you're not into making choices. Wicked witches, poppy fields are men behind the curtain. Tiger lilies, ruby slippers, is ticking, that's for certain. 
And singing happy birthday, it just wish it were our a dream. Feel, feels like more like Doomsday Fuck 3090. It's like I'm in for a twister. I don't see a rainbow, do you? Turn 30 in the 90s. In my head now, while it's past that, I want the spoil not too fast. Or it is calling, it's now or never land. Like I can't I stay a child forever and. 3090 I will say that uh, if you committed a little bit more to your performance and didn't hold back out of self-consciousness and invested a little bit more power into it, it would be closer to Jonathan Larson's actual singing style than uh, Andrew Garfield manages in the film Tick, Tick, Boom. Not bad, not bad. It's 1990, they're saying that I don't really know the lyrics. I'm bad at remembering lyrics. Nineteen. Nineteen ninety. All right. Well, what, 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 well, what's going on? Who are you? Who am I? Okay. Well, I've got some breaking news. Uh, it's mm. not really relevant to this episode. Don't, at all. Jonathan Morris is dead. No. This will be. This will be excised. Remember once I showed you? I mean, I don't think we watched any, but I like sent you uh, a link to a YouTube video from like this this guy who talks about comics who's like a loser, right? Uh, maybe. You have to be more specific. <laughs> uh, it's a guy who has a YouTube channel called Comic Tropes. I'm sure that doesn't ring a bell. It does, it does ring a bell when you say it like that, actually. Okay. And he's just like he's just like some old loser guy with glasses. He kind of looks like your future. <laughs> wow, thanks, man. <laughs> oh, especially now that I've been rejected from graduate program really it's probably it probably is my future what <laughs> what is are there any balls up in the air still or not is that it just one wow what are your chances with that last remaining one seem well you never know when do you find out i don't know probably in march anyway in in lighter news it's 30 <laughs> this uh this loser right this guy with this channel. I think I think you probably may remember that I used to complain about the fact that I mean obviously he's been doing it longer, but the sort of the, the sort of treasure trove, the the wealth of content provided by cartoonist Kayfabe on a daily basis, industry professionals doing top quality content, get a fraction of his viewers and his 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 like videos are some of the worst things I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, I just noticed recently <laughs> on the front page of, uh, what is he a pedo? Did you ask? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. He has that kind of face. Mm. Um, we call it the Jonathan, <laughs> which I mean, your face. We call it the Jonathan Larson in the business <laughs> or me, apparently. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, anyway, so on the front page of YouTube, where you get your daily recommendations of random videos, whether you're subscribed mm. or not. I, I started to see a video of his show up titled, I was a real life superhero. And that intrigued me. I was like, is this like a sort of like a, like, you know, a funny angle to one of his videos or was he actually one of those losers who was a real life superhero who went around in like a dodgy. Okay. I'm looking at it now. Latex if I had to suit. guess, I had, if I had to get the, the premises, he was talking to someone who was Nope, he was a real life superhero. I just started watching the video and I was like, yes, yes, yes. It's a 54 minute video. I'm so excited. Yikes. It's very funny. Yikes. Now I'm facing a murder rap. <laughs> we should watch it. No. Instead of recording this 50, fucking 54, 54 fucking minutes? No way. Well, let's just, we have let's to just watch plow it. through. Let's, let's watch it one through. day, right? No. Not committing. Like, we should start watching it, and if you're intrigued enough by, let's say, the 10-minute mark... No. I'm not, I'm not even going to... Uh, you have an out. I'm not going to, you know, caught in the idea or whatever. Whatsoever. 
Even just the I'm first three minutes, it. actually. Which not gonna, is what I'm not gonna, watch. I'm not gonna consider. No, no. Uh, I'm not gonna give you give you anything. You're gonna give me. You no, I give you an inch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give you an inch. You take a fucking mile. <laughs> <laughs> we're not watching fucking it'll be like smash cut to us like you know, yeah, watching his entire video it'll be a, yeah, yeah. watching his entire channel smash cut to us dressed up as, as superheroes <laughs> who's that one guy phoenix joe's superhero that's that's who he went with yeah he was really? just talking wow. about that i can't remember i feel like there's some article i read about him Cause he was like, he was like, he was hanging around a message board and he was like, he was reading about this Phoenix Jones guy. And then he was uh, like, and then I was flying into the city where he lived and he was mentioning his fiance, which is bizarre. But anyway, he must've had one at some point. He blames it on like, there's a comment that sort of alluded to the fact that he was fighting depression at the time or something like that. But <laughs> he went around, uh, on uh, patrols with Phoenix Jones. So there you go. See, isn't this exciting? That's so funny. What what already does is this Dave? I he probably he has 175 subscribers. Probably a Patreon. He probably. No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about Phoenix Jones, but this is what apparently what his stage up was on January 9th, 2020. Jones is arrested for allegedly selling MDMA to an undercover police officer. <laughs> <laughs> the time of his arrest, police alleged that he, he and an accomplice were also in possession of about four grams of cocaine. <laughs> wow. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> He's also an MMA guy, apparently. It's like very much like kick-ass or something, because he's like... I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, but he's like... He doesn't look like he's that fit. He's old. He's a nerd. He's got glasses. <laughs> Wait, I would love it if he got killed doing that. That'd be so funny to me. <laughs> oh, I haven't noticed that comics, comics tropes is updated their page recently. Well, it's because they were found dead with a knife in their back. Doesn't doesn't Kickass open with one of the like a wannabe superhero who gets? Does he get killed or just badly beaten? I don't remember. It's been such a long time since I've seen Kickass. But anyway, that's like the hook of of Jack of Kickass, right? Hmm. I made that comic book as a kid. Wow! So Mark Millar ripped you off. He stole he stole my idea. I mean, not that's the most novel idea, but it was like. Because I used to make comic books all the time, but I would, like, run out of steam two-thirds of the way through page one after working on the cover and everything. And one of them was just this guy who goes, I want to be a yeah, little kid who goes, I want to be a superhero. I don't want to talk about this anymore. And he, uh, he's dressing up in the mirror, and then he goes out to fight crime and gets stabbed to death. Wow, sounds, sounds hilarious. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Like Mark Miller. All right, so what is this uh, show we're doing? Got Project Day Plus. I'm Hunter, you're Hugh. We're turning to an old favorite, which is the project. We're going to start a new project this week. We are? Yeah, it's called um, We're the Rudolph Boys. We're investigating the cinematic output. The reindeers, we should be. Yeah, the re- why? <laughs> Rudolph. Uh. Reindeer Games. Let's call the project Reindeer Games. Yeah, Reindeer Games. Great. Genius. What is Reindeer Games? We're talking about the uh, cinema do Alan Rudolph, who is a favorite of both of ours ever since we watched his film Breakfast, Breakfast of Champions, Champions three For years ago, two, two or three years ago. A while ago, yeah. I, I can't remember why we watched it. <laughs> it was back in the day when we didn't really have a concept. But uh, I think we've both been intrigued by his, his cinematic output enough. I mean, I, I can't speak. I have I not. Watched, the only thing I've that watched, intrigued me was the fact that Neil Young cameos in like three of his films. So. I, I've watched. I've watched one of them his movies, which I thought was a great, great film. A Trouble in Mind, which I really enjoyed, and that made me want, uh, intrigued enough to uh, want to check out the rest of his stuff. And you agreed for reasons that are beyond me. <laughs> because of Neil Young, I know. That, I know that you. Di- I know that you disliked. Um, Breakfast of Champions way more than I did, so now what's wrong with you? Remember um, when we were talking about resuming Project A Plus after you know the grand finale that was episode one hundred? Mm-hmm. You said you know 
we shouldn't torture ourselves. We should just do stuff that we want to do on the show, right? We should just watch a bunch of movies that <laughs> well, we want to watch. We, uh, we watched three movies that I wanted to watch that weren't torture for me. <laughs> but and uh, this episode is the fruit of that labor. <laughs> is it now? <laughs> it's thirty ninety. I just want our audience to bear that in mind uh, before we begin. Mm. We chose to do this. You chose to do tick tick boom. Yes, I guess. I guess, in fairness, um, you're responsible for three of the four films uh, <laughs> we're we'll talking it. about today. I'll take it. And I am responsible for a mere one. Which which films are those? Which films are those? Well, uh, given that we already mentioned the fact that we're embarking on a project, Reindeer Games, featuring the films of uh, Alan Rudolph in chronological order, um, we will be discussing. His first two efforts uh, that go under various titles, but for now, I will refer to them as Premonition and uh, Nightmare Circus. Terror when Circus. I go on my when I go on when I go on my letterbox, the film was called The Bard of the Naked Dead. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's under a bunch of titles. We I can discuss all I of them in detail. The copy that I watched was Terror. It was called Terror Circus. Terror Circus Terror is what Circus. I watched too. Yeah. So. And the the copy of Premonition that I watched was called Head. So there you go. The copy of Premonition that I watched is called Premonition, aka Impulse, I think. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. They were like grindhouse films, exploitation ah, no, films, I take it back. and they were it's often Premonition, aka Head, aka The Impure. So there you go. So they were they were exploitation films, um, and. Uh, a lot of films uh, in that vein were frequently retitled. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. But um, we also watched some other movies. At, at my behest, because I wanted to honor a late master, uh, a presumable master who passed away recently. Lynn manuel Miranda. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I wish he was late. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, or oh, the late Jonathan Larson. Yeah, the late Jonathan Larson, as as uh, translated through the cinema, do Lin Manuel Miranda. So we watched Tick Tick Boom. That was one of the films we watched. That's we also true. watched. We also watched because Peter Bogdanovich died somewhat recently. Now, mm-hmm. we also watched uh, uh, What's Up Doc, his his comedy comedy film from nineteen seventy two. Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, and Philip Roth, and Randy Quaid. So, which should we start with, you? I guess we should start with uh, Tick Tick Boom because that's the most recently recent release. What? No, no preamble about our respective personal lives. Nope. What have you been up to? It's been ages. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Right. What have you been up to? I don't want to talk about it. Great. Let's just plow right on, right into the film, shall we? What a Polita story, our first segment. I'm not doing any segments. All right. What about a quick air diaries for old time's sake? No, that's not. No, no, no. Nobody wants to do air diaries. But what I'll agree to is uh, the box office. Yeah, that is a good segment. We should still do that. Let's do that this episode. Yeah. Let's 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 make yeah. that film. Yeah, let's do. Let's we can split up the non project and the project films. Perfect. Great. Right. So uh, let's let's start with. Should we start with Tick Tick Boom or uh, What's Up Doc? What do you think? What's up, Doc? Little baby is the sweetest thing. It's like white bugs on a good river scene. Yeah, a pocket rocket trouser rise to boot. She kind of killed my marriage, but she really killed. Ah. What's up, Doc? That's the question that I had when I started the film What's Up, Doc? by Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, actually, let me just check my notes. I think you'll find uh, What's Up, Doc? is by Polly Platt. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I saw no, I saw no production design whatsoever in this film. So, <laughs> what's 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 up, Doc? You would you like me to summarize it? Yes. 
All right, I'm going to do this uh, on the fly, not even referring to Wikipedia. Wow. I'll um, hop in and correct you if you get anything wrong. So, Ryan Reynolds, is it? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> uh, Ryan O'Neill plays some sort of geologist dude, right? I uh, know he's a musicologist. You already got the first thing wrong. You can't even get the But it's kind of geological play. musicology, is it not? <laughs> There's a... A geological component. It's the music of rocks. He's a, he's a musicologist who has a theory that primitive man uh, was able to make music using rocks. Rock music. Rock music, yeah. What a, and what about him? He's going, to a, he's going to a conference. And he's trying to win... A, what do they call it? Grant? Grant. That's the one. He's trying to win a grant. I guess you don't win a grant. You kind of apply for a grant. You're awarded a grant. You're awarded a grant. And a grant. A grant for some grants? Yes, a grant for some grants. Um, and he's there with his wife. Everyone has a bunch of... Uh, Identical briefcases. And they all get mixed up. And shenanigans ensue. And Barbara Streisand is also there. Is that good enough? Some identical flannel. Tartan. Yeah. Patterned. Brief suitcase things. Yep. So you, you did a, you did a terrible job of doing this, right? There's a bunch of different plot lines that are all intersecting around these. God, who cares? Like, suitcases. it's What's Up, Doc? You know, it's a screwball comedy. We're summarizing the film. It's a madcap farce. And um, Barbara Streisand is is Bugs Bunny. Yeah. By way yes. of, you know, Catherine Hepburn and Bring Up Baby or something. Uh, yes, yes. Or um, Barbara Stanwyck on, in The Lady Eve. Or Barbara Stanwyck in My <laughs> Masturbatory Fantasies. Indeed. Maybe now, maybe now, uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, anyway, um... Hugh, I think you've been on record as being anti-Bogdanovich. <laughs> Side on scene, yes. Wherein, wherein I arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, I decided to become a, a pro-Bogdanovich uh, person. After you learned about the Louis Stratton affair. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. <laughs> no, after, after, you know, not after I learned. I, uh, I uh, greatly enjoyed his performance in The Other Side of the Wind. And... Um, you know, he was pretty instrumental in getting that film finished. Obviously, that's a very important film to me. So, uh, ergo, I, I guess I have to give it up to, to old Boggy. And I never watched any of his films. <laughs> so you're kind of you kind of weighing it up like groomed the my, the minor sister of uh, his shut up murdered, shut the fuck up uh, ex shut up shut up shut up shut up. Versus. It was almost it was almost underage herself, but anyway. <laughs> um, Anyway, I, I agree that none of his films sounded uh, particularly appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Even Targets I'm kind of wary of. Was kind of wary of. But now I've turned a corner, especially after watching his, starting The Sopranos and seeing his uh, performance of that. I'm like, you know what? Peter Bogdanovich seems like a cool guy. So, decided to like his films. <laughs> and, uh... We'll see if that panned out when we talk about uh, what's up, Doc. What do you think, you? You want to start with me, but I summarized the film. We should start with you. I already, I already did the segue. You have to follow, follow the wall of the segue. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess I had kind of a mixed response to what's up, Doc, mm. to be mm. fair. So mm. there were positives and negatives. I'm not going to be all negative here. Wow. So one thing I really enjoyed is the... The choice of location, mm. you know, the San fact Francisco. that it's set in San Francisco as opposed mm. to, I think in the original script, it might have been Chicago or something. I think that was a really yeah, good call. Disgusting city that no one should ever go to, is what you're saying. And, um, you know, a, a large portion of the film takes place in a real ho hotel. And I think they were the sort of garish 70s carpets was the actual um, furnishings of the hotel at the time. Um 
it seemed like an appropriate location. Um, you know, there's just there's just stuff in the way that the scenes looked that I appreciated the way they were decorated. I guess what I'm saying is I like the, the the design of the production, the acting, the direction, the the cinematography, the <laughs> screenplay. You know, sure. I could take it or leave it, but that, that production design, you know. Okay, bro. Okay, bro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't understand why this is your bit. <laughs> you don't care about uh, Polly Platt. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right, you ready? You ready for my real opinion? Polly Platt was a dumb bitch, and she sucks. <laughs> That's all I have and to say about that. And you're glad she's dead. I'm glad she's dead. Um, anyway, would you like to know my opinion about the film uh, What's Up, Doc? Uh, I guess. <laughs> now that the bits are out of the way, or, or, or would I you like so. to take over from here? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So as I said, this was the truthful part of my preamble. I did have a, a somewhat mixed response to this film. Mm. Um, it, it sets out to recreate modes from a previous era, as I already mm. uh, mentioned. And with these type of exercises, I always detect kind of a forced, strained quality. And I don't think that, that this film escapes that. Mm. In terms of the physical comedy as opposed to the, the verbal comedy in this film, it actually seemed somewhat indebted to Jacques Tati. I don't know if I'm... Um, oh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. It's, it's been shot for uh, uh, destruction. Yeah. And the sort of, like, you know, established... modernist, like, facades, too. Yeah. Especially, like, the house that they go to is very Tati-esque. It does have the feel of the... 60s comic extravaganzas like it's a mad mm. mad mad world so it wasn't 100 hours long which is <laughs> but i will say it, it's similarly exhausting even though it's only 90 minutes mm. um i mean not not nowhere near as exhausting <laughs> no but i did i did feel that exhaustion um before the running time was up yeah i got, I, I would agree with you i and i do think that barbara streisand is really a lot of fun in the film i would agree with you um, I really liked her bringing up Bunny performance. <laughs> God. And I didn't mind Ryan O'Neill. Uh, he seemed kind yeah, of like I, the I cast. But well, I thought he was like, I, I think, I feel like he always uh, is like kind of the butt of jokes in a lot of stuff that you read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I had the same opinion. I was like, oh, he's a terrible actor, but he was really well utilized in Barry Lyndon. But then when I watch him in anything, I'm like, yeah, he's good in this. <laughs> he's good. Yeah, he's he's. he's, he's you know, obviously, it doesn't really uh, be like a, a, a beta wizard. Doesn't really fit his physique especially no. well. But I think but I think, I think he, he plays it, it well. well. Yeah, I think he plays it well. Yeah, definitely. And I will <laughs> say, for maybe the first half of this film, I'm not sure exactly how mm. how long it goes, but the stuff set around the hotel. I was having a yeah. pretty decent time. Mm. I, I loved how it concluded with the room just getting burnt up and just everything yeah. exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I will say that even though uh, the car chase is well executed and there are some good mm. moments, uh, I, I felt that stretch of the film overstayed its welcome. And mm. by the time we wound up in that courtroom scene, I was yeah. like, checked out. I was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, kinda, I, I would say I kinda, I, I'm kind of in accordance with your opinion, though. I think I liked it more than you did. I would say it took me a little bit to get on the film's wave, wavelength. Maybe the first like twenty minutes or so, I was like, "Oh god, this is gonna be really like, <laughs> funny." And then I was like, "You know, I kind of, I kind of get into this. I really like Jack, Jack, Tati a bit or quite a bit, and I like, um, I don't know, I like, I, I give you a that mold, and like you said, all the all the central performances are pretty amusing and entertaining, uh, and it is pretty pretty sharply written. Um, I actually really enjoyed the car chase. Uh, I think, yeah, but as soon as they like draw off the pier. I was like, okay, you know, the movie should be over. You really don't need this courtroom scene, even if I enjoyed some of like the dialogue that was in it, you know. Mm. <laughs> and I think I think trying to pin it pin it on like a, like having it be actually romantic is not successful, you know, because Barbara Streisand is just this like cartoon character. Like, yeah, she is just like Bugs Bunny. It's like how can you possibly like be invested in their romance unless you're playing it as a joke? It doesn't yeah. really feel like it is, which is kind of a, a kind of a problem. But I think the the high of that like you know middle like hour hour and a half were enough to to make it uh, way worth my while. And I, I ended up really I, I thought this was super funny. So I don't know. Part of the problem for me is that um, Streisand like tormenting 
Ryan O'Neill as this like hapless mm, musicologist <laughs> is the most enjoyable aspect of the film. So when yeah. any other element like, takes precedence, including like the mix up with the suitcases that just went on a little bit too long, I think the momentum waned. I would have been down for just more of her tormenting Ryan O'Neill. I don't know. There's there's not like a ton to talk about. It's like we can dig into the film, especially. No, no, no. That's it. That's enough. Move on. Right. I'm in the middle of the bit before the middle of the little only story in my life Let me regale you with a song about my failure to sell you on the story in my life The rent's overdue when my girlfriend's through with my shit Boo-hoo, I ever gonna be a big hit? Who knew? I could make a show of it Tick, 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 tick Sorry, what was that about AIDS? Tick, tick, boom. So what's tick, tick, boom? Well, Hugh, it's funny that you asked that. So, Jonathan Larson, I know, a real person, right? But also, the main character of this film is a, uh, I, I guess, struggling, <laughs> question mark. <laughs> we can mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, musical theater lyricist and composer uh-huh. who is rapidly approaching the age of 30, but he just has one problem. He hasn't produced a hit musical yet. And Stephen Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim premiered West Side Story when he was 26. Uh. Um, <laughs> so he works at Yeah, but he a, only wrote the lyrics to West Side Story. That's true. He works at a diner uh, the Moon Dance, is that right? Moon Dance Diner. It's a famous Moon diner Dance featured diner. in such films as Spider Man 2. It was a famous diner. Now it's it been was destroyed a diner, yeah. by the, you know, capricious hand of fate. Um, and when he's not waiting tables, he's writing, he's composing songs. And writing lyrics for an ambitious sci-fi rock opera extravaganza called Superbia. Is that right? Superbia, yeah. Superbia. Not, not a great title, I gotta say. If I could workshop, you know, Jonathan Larson's work just a little bit, I'd say not a good title. Just like Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> not a good title. Anyway. Um, Do you prefer either of its alternative titles? Uh, was it thirty ninety? I think Boho Days is the worst title. Yeah, for Boho anything. Days. Uh, I guess thirty ninety would be better than Tick Tick Boom. It's like you know, it's just nothing. Anyway, yeah. the the titular sound is the ticking of the clock that Jonathan hears all the time. Because again, he's turning thirty. He's getting old. He's had no success. <laughs> I Broke. thought you were going to say that the, the titular character is <laughs> Mister Tick Tick Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me fucking finish. I didn't interrupt you a hundred times. <laughs> Probably it was not. worth it for that observation. Um, but uh, let's see what happened. So uh, basically, he is he he's gonna he's premiering his play at a workshop, which is like a, a thing that theater people do, I guess, where they like basically pitch it to potential investors or producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his life starts falling apart, kind kind of. He needs to write one last song for the play because the legendary, because both the um, person who's running this uh, workshop and the legendary Stephen Sondheim told him that the play is missing one song. So he's trying to write this song. Uh, his uh, his on-again, off-again girlfriend is considering getting a job and Upstate New York and in the Catskills, I can't remember somewhere, and no, the Berkshires, and uh, he is too much of a deadbeat boyfriend to pay attention to her, um, and you know he's feeling that 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 uh, that weight of age pulling him down. Uh, his friend is also there. Um, and basically it just follows his, his life and emotions as he tries to get this thing out in front of, in front of producers. And that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's lots of music numbers. Yeah, well, you should make clear that this is 
This is directly based on his actual um, one-man show, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, which is in turn based on his life events. Yeah. Um, and it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It stars... Uh, uh, what's his name? Andrew Garfield in Alexandra's Ship. So it's, it's fucking Storm and Spider-Man together at last. No, no, it's Spider-Man and Mrs. Jexie, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she was in Jexie. I forgot about that. She was indeed. She's um, moved up in the world from uh, Adam Devine to uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, definitely a trade-up. Um, anyway, uh, let's see, Hugh. Should I, should I summarize my, my feelings about this film in addition to summarizing it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, I don't think... I'm trying to think... What other, like, really awful films we watched for the podcast? Deadpool 2, obviously. Special Correspondent. Special, <laughs> Special Correspondent. I don't hate as much as you do. That's bad. Uh, let's see. That's that's kind of a good lineage of, of, of uh, films in which to place this one, which is uh, total, total, totally insufferable uh, mess. I mean, you know, I'm not a huge fan of musical theater. I, I don't like the music of it that much. I just don't like the, the show tune like vibe, you know? Um, I think that Donald Larson was born with his goat cock in his mouth and Never, never once in this this movie does it get removed. I thought you said like a cock in his mouth. No, I was like, no. Is this some weird homophobic screed? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, he's he's clearly extremely narcissistic. <laughs> and um, I thought I thought there was something kind of amusing about the fact that you know it's like it brings up all these this heavy stuff like that. The AIDS crisis, and uh, you know his, his best friend getting, you know, becoming HIV positive. Obviously, really heavy and awful stuff. But uh, the main emotional sweep about the of the film is not about that whatsoever. It's all about his, you know, overcoming his creative blockage and his, uh, you know, bitch of a girlfriend finally leaving uh, him, and uh, uh, you know him. Finding success through art, I guess. I don't know. I thought, I thought this movie was really, really awful. Um, and I, I found the central, like, um, lionization of this this extremely narcissistic man to be off-putting. So, uh, what did you think? And the music sucks. <laughs> and all the songs are extremely irritating. So, I really, you know, uh, I, I, you know... The, the very first, like, words you hear, maybe not the first words, but some of the first words you hear are, like, uh, Alexander Ship in character going, everything you're about to see is true, except for the parts that Jonathan made up. <laughs> uh, and I think I think this movie, you know, is obviously convinced that Jonathan Larson is a genius, and I think that has yet to be proven. You know, I've never seen Rent, uh, but uh, I don't have any desire to. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> pretty pretty awful. <laughs> one of the one of the worst films I've watched. Didn't you hear that Rent got cancelled after um, Lindsay Ellis's takedown video? Uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. And I think I think Andrew Garfield is is uh, maybe bad is the right word. It's obviously a really committed performance, but I thought it was super. I thought he was super dirty. <laughs> Maybe that's how Jonathan Larson was in real life. So maybe the performance is, is a good, uh, you know, encapsulation of this of this uh, irritating person. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was terrible. I hate I hate this movie. I hate you for making me watch it. Um, hey, that's our whole podcast. I hate, whoa, 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 whoa! I hate me for letting <laughs> you for making a deal with you to watch it. <laughs> and, and that's it. <laughs> okay, I think I understand where your response is coming from. <laughs> and uh, and what I think it is is that in many ways this is the story of us. You know, we have <laughs> we have this guy who's a musical genius. He has no careerist aspirations outside his art. So he takes a shitty part-time job in the hospitality sector and spends his free time working on his music. And he's anxious about aging. He's comparing his achievements to uh, what his hero had achieved at the same age. He's extremely mm. self-absorbed. So that's me, right? 
Then we have his friend Michael, the uh, the corporate sellout, you know, buying into institutions. Um, he's got his life together. He's got a, a decent job. You know, he's sold out. So that's you. Is that I haven't sold out? <laughs> so maybe maybe your antipathy towards the made. film stems from the fact that it's a little too close to home. Would would you think that would be a fair uh, analysis? Uh, no. All right, fair enough. You know, we do we do agree a lot on this <laughs> podcast. Unfortunately, it's it's that phenomenon where uh, when a, when a group of straight white men work together for a period of time, their opinions on films synchronize. <laughs> Why did I write that? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> You're wacky, at it. That's pathetic. So I do I do largely agree with you. <laughs> I found um, Garfield's Larson, if I can put it that way, so singularly unlikable that I sought out <laughs> clips of the original man himself <laughs> performing the same material to see if I had the same response. Mm. And, and while I'll say I'm not a fan of that material, as you are not either, mm. nor of uh, you know the, the general kind of synthesis of Broadway and pop music that he uh, traffics in, Mm. There, there was a verve and energy to his performance, which was somewhat infectious mm. in a way that I don't think Garfield is able to approximate here. Larson, who performs it, was like a one-man show, like him and on a piano with like a band kind of backing him up. Mm. He doesn't mm. have a perfect voice, but he does his, his own material justice. Um. The best I can say for Garfield, who's not, who's clearly not a trained singer, is that he approaches a credible impression of someone who can maybe sing, but it's only an impression. Mostly he sounds like a very committed actor who has been coached and then pitch corrected in post-production. There are a couple of, uh, of the tunes where he has to like sustain a note for a long period of time, and it winds up sounding extremely bizarre like the combination of his voice which is not not really much of a singer's voice and whatever they have done to like you know fix it in post especially the concluding uh note on the word brunch of the sunday song ah i hated that song i hate it all i hated all the songs it's if you go back and just listen to that note and maybe i'll like if i can clip it out for the podcast i'll play it here like it's it is such a bizarre tone but yeah i i agree with you i hated this film um i really disliked <laughs> the way it was shot um uh, it's suffused with like lens flares it really yeah. seemed antithetical to what the film was trying to achieve. You know, it, it looked like a fucking J.J. Abrams thing at points. Plus mm, these hideous green screen backdrops and CGI work. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the aforementioned like Sunday scene where like the back of the cafe falls open. Yeah, it looks terrible. And then there's like this really poorly rendered kind of cityscape in the backdrop. Again, with lens flares everywhere. I just hated the look of it. It would look better if it was shot on uh, volume. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. By our boy, Greg Fraser. Whatever his name is. I'm not averse to to show tunes and, and Broadway musicals. I, I like um, to think that I'm not, but every one that I watch, I... Yeah. You know, I sat down and watched uh, Sunday in the Park with George, which is referenced in this film, and I enjoyed it. Which is quote quoted in this film, visually quoted. And musically quoted. Like the Sunday yes. song is basically a rewrite of a song in mm. Sunday in the Park with George. Also. Maybe that's why uh, Maybe that's why Sondheim liked him so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it is peculiar to me that, that Sondheim championed him at all. I, 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 I don't know if we're waiting into, uh, uh, you know, troublesome waters by bringing this up, but I thought that this film's relationship to uh, the AIDS epidemic was uh, questionable at best and kind of offensive at worst. Very much so. The way it, like, sublimates the storyline and prioritizes him 
worrying about turning 30 and having a successful Broadway show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> your, your best friend's fucking gonna die of AIDS. Like, I think that maybe takes precedent over your stupid workshop. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. And it's like, he's like, oh, I'm HIV positive, but don't worry, you have to be an artist. It's like, what? <laughs> Are you you have me? my permission. <laughs> <laughs> Turn, take my tragedy and turn it into money, please. <laughs> the, the that one was like that. That one felt like I, that was like weird, but like wh- whatever. The one that I was like, this is like actually offensive. Is the other his other friend, the guy with the the diner with him? He gets like he gets like two. He gets like two lines. One of which is like, oh, you know, I'm I'm your good pal. The next one is like. My tea, tea count, my doctor said it was good. And then the next you hear him, he's in the hospital. And then he has to be like, oh, you know, my, my bitch girlfriend's going to break up with me. i got to finish the musical. My friend's dying of AIDS. It's like, what? I think one of these things uh, should help prioritize the other ones. At least if you have any sense of humanity, my friend. Like, mm. And uh, I, I did, he seemed like such a shitty boyfriend. I, 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 I hope that he wasn't that bad in, in real life. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, shall we move on? Yeah. To uh, burn Hollywood burn. Burn. Hollywood burn. That's right, mama. Hollywood Burn. Okay, so welcome to uh, Burn Hollywood Burn, uh, the segment of the show where we catch up on what's happening in the wide world of movies, mm. beginning with how are the box offices going? Hmm. And followed by what's in the news? What's what's in the news? Um, yeah, so box office. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office. The number one film in, America film this in Australia for the dates February 10th to 13th. Yeah, for February 10th to 13th was Death, Death on the Nile. Nile. Which came in at twelve million eight hundred and ninety-one thousand one hundred and twenty-three dollars. Uh, here it was, uh, you know, a scooch over one point two mil. Scooch. Followed by number two, <laughs> the Beatles get back. I didn't realize that hmm. was in theaters at all. I know that they released like a concert documentary. Is it just the concert that actually went to cinemas? That's weird. I think so. I think it was an IMAX or something like that. Wow. No, it's a... I don't know. When I click on it, it says it's the 7-hour, 48-minute version, so I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know either. But I know, that they, I know that they did... I mean, again, who knows? But I know that they did release the just the rooftop concert. But look at the discrepancy between number one and number two in terms of the gross... So 1.2 million for number one, number two, which is the Beatles get back, but it's also similar for number three, 50,000. My, my, mine does not have that drop off, but the Beatles get back. The rooftop concert is number 10. All right. News time. All right. News. All right. Should I go first? If you've got something, cause I haven't even yeah, looked it up. I yet. got something. Do 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 this coming across, just across the wire. Paramount decides it's time to send the fourth Star Trek movie into space. Which means that a fourth Star Trek movie has been greenlit. Uh, it's being produced by J.J. Abrams. It's having all the new cast come back. And uh, it's going to be directed by someone named Matt Shankman. Uh, Who's that? Who uh, directed uh, WandaVision. So, it'd be, it'd be great. <laughs> Figure it. All right. All right. What do you got? What do I got? Quiet Place Three to debut in twenty twenty five. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> Excited about that. Sounds 
Great. Looking forward to the episode where we rank the Quiet Place series. No. Against methods of suicide. <laughs> Alright, now let's move on to uh, Premonition, shall we? No, no, I think in the spirit of uh, A Quiet Place and its director, we should uh, allow some space for some good news. No. So, <laughs> let's talk about Premonition, shall we? Is it project time? Project time. Project time, it's 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 project time. It's the start of a new project. And I can't wait to start. So who's this uh, Adam, Alan uh, Adam? Adam Devine. <laughs> so so uh, who's this Alan Rudolph fellow that we will be focusing on for the next several weeks? A protege of uh, what's his name? Robert Altman. Robert Altman. And he directed several films of his own. Right, probably the most successful of his films was Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. And Breakfast of Champions, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but he had a long and varied career, directing lots of uh, interesting Saudi movies like Permission and Nightmare Circus. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, Rudolph's films focus on isolated and eccentric characters and their relationships. This is certainly true in both Permission and Nightmare Circus, am I right? Mm. <laughs> um, he is kind of interesting in, in the pantheon of Hollywood directors in that. Uh, apparently, he wrote the majority of the films that he directed, which is, which is a bit atypical for even uh, new Hollywood directors. Like, uh, Altman. Yes, he only wrote one of the two films that we'll be discussing today. Yes, he only wrote Premonition, which is the first one we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about it right now. aka head aka the impure what is premonition you or do you have any surprises um it's sort of a flower power movie but a killer flower power movie <laughs> it's yeah, it's a flower power movie but about the literal power of flowers and it stars carl crow as a wandering musician i guess you you describe this as a horror film though uh, that's kind of it it's stretch, I think. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, Carl Crow plays a character named Neil. Wait a minute. Uh, who is yeah a wandering musician? Um, movie starts in kind of an unusual uh, way, where it's like wandering through an abandoned town, and he sees this guy. He's like, "Well, let me tell you about a story about why I'm so fucked up." That's that's pretty much the, yeah. The, Way it gets you into it, um, and then it it flashes back to he was a uh, assistant, pretty much to a, uh, a professor who was doing some sort of study on the native people of Mexico, specifically to sort of prove that there is a certain strain of them that apparently most believe do not exist. Um, and basically, he you know is driving this truck around. He, um, the, their relationship works pretty well because the professor is an alcoholic and he likes to smoke dope because he's a hippie. Um, and he scores a joint in a local town. The professor warns, 
warns him against it because it is a local drug that uh, acts as a hallucinogen. But smoke it, he does. Uh, the professor finds the skeleton that I guess would prove that his theories are correct. Uh, and then uh, Neil um, basically, uh, you know, is a, he has this vision when they go to pick it up and it freaks him out. Uh, and then there's a truck accident that explodes and basically they both are like, we're never talking about this again and have severe post-traumatic stress disorder. Neil decides to uh, give up dope, right? And move back to Los Angeles where he's in a, a bar band briefly. Uh, but it's not really cutting it for him. He uh, tries to audition for a, uh, you know, restaurant bar owner and they, they don't like him. He's teamed up with this guy named is it Baker, I think. I think it's Baker. And they're like, okay, you know, whatever. And then, so he decides to recruit his childhood friend, who's also a musical genius, named Andy. Andy has lined up a uh, promotional concert in San Francisco um, where that, you know, where they can, like, test out their stuff, maybe get a record deal or something. And so they go up to San Francisco and they stay at this. Uh, so I guess I should say too that Andy has been having very strange dreams. Um, and so they anyway they go up to San Francisco. They decide to stay on this uh, abandoned farm that uh, has these mysterious red flowers, which uh, Neil also uh, experienced or uh, encountered in Mexico. Perhaps were what was in that uh, waste. Uh, joint that he smoked and then uh, strange stuff starts to happen uh, and that's basically the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, you, what did you think about uh, Alan Rudolph's premonition? Did this make you excited to continue to explore the career of Mr. Rudolph? Or is this a, a dead end? Just like some of the characters in this movie come to. Hmm. Uh, I enjoyed some of this film I will say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As um, our audience may have gathered from your synopsis, this is kind of a post-Vietnam, post-Manson film about the counterculture. Yes. So there's a little bit of a cynical, haunted quality running through the film. Mm. Um, I I wouldn't say it's especially successful on its own terms. And uh, indeed, Rudolph himself admitted later that uh, while he was intrigued by the ending upon rewatching it he cringed at pretty much everything else but within the modest means of, of this production he does manage to demonstrate competence with his staging and camera work and there are some actually inventive bits and pieces here and there including like a spike lee-esque sequence with a camera mounted on one of the actors which was pretty good yeah that was striking and there were some good shots um yeah. and formally i like I like the way that we're brought into the story via Carl Crow. Yeah, very um, strange. Wandering through this town playing guitar and his dodgy folk song that I think he wrote the lyrics to himself. I, I think so as well. But it, it really um, adds to the sense that this film was like cobbled together from a few different pieces. But I think because the horror aspect of the story is kind of half-assed, the mystery is established and there's like a little bit of lore with, with the... Yeah. Ancient Mexican It's, it's extremely hard to care about that stuff. But it's like, it's so like piecemeal and, you know, yeah. disposed of pretty quickly. And it doesn't really culminate in an especially impressive no. set piece at the end. But I think for those reasons, it manages to be slightly more than the sum of its admittedly modest parts. I did like that kind of vague haunted quality that it lent it and especially in, in combination with the electronic score i i also really like the electronic score I especially like the scenes where they're just like driving along and that like well, you know like like do like noise is playing and you're just like okay you know this is this is a vibe that you can get into like why not for me the most amusing part of the film uh was the the depiction of the band that he, he yeah. films i did not i did I, that, that was the part of the film that i did not enjoy yeah <laughs> Gotta be I mean, honest. It's, it's not it's not especially enjoyable to sit through. It's a slog, but it, it it has some funny aspects to it. Chief among which is the fact that the 
the mystical band they form comprises two acoustic guitar players yeah. and uh, our boy Neil on the harmonica. <laughs> yeah. And they establish that he's a guitar wizard, but he refuses to play guitar for whatever reason. <laughs> like a gunslinger who's... It's uh, a trauma, dude. Are you making fun of his trauma? But there are like there are these intimations that they've got something special, like a new sound, and they're going to go to this festival to mm. try and make it. And it's just this like instrumental acoustic guitar harmonica combo. Mm. And we hear like bits of the rehearsing. And it just sounds like dog shit. And then when they yeah. do the showcase at this outdoor festival, a different song by a different band with completely different instrumentation plays on the soundtrack. So we never we never hear really what they can do. No. No. But I I I uh I really hated that song. I really hated <laughs> that moment. I I I you know, I don't I I do not like hippies. I thought that the, just looking at these disgusting people it's like I don't want to do this. There there's a wonderful exchange between uh Carl Crow and one of those disgusting hippies. Uh, this, this girl who's who who submits to his like Vietnam vet guru vibes or whatever. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and she she says uh, <laughs> it must be fascinating to be a musician. And then he looks sort of forlornly into the distance and says, "It hurts too. It hurts when you want to say something with your music, but your own limitations are are painful. Too real, crow. Too real." There, <laughs> uh, there. I also they're, they're, this film does have a somewhat of a sense of humor that I enjoy. I like the scene where they're playing at the like. There's like this intense, you know, like hippified rock song, and then it just cuts to like no one being at the bar. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. Um, what did you think of it overall? I thought I, I, I agree with you. I, I think there are certain aspects to it uh, that I thought were pretty pleasurable. I mean, it was obviously hampered by the abys- abysmal like VHS crisp that we watched. You know, oh, yeah. it was dreadful. <laughs> it was pretty hard to make anything out at certain points. But uh, I agree that it does show a certain stylistic wear, and I thought the way that it generated its like kind of whacked out mood. I, I was I was into it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't add up to really anything. And I do think it's like, well, what were they having a permission of? Like, they're getting whacked in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah. In some ways, because the like mythology or explanation of what's going on is so like not explained to you, that almost works in its favor, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's this like weird, like mysterious, like, oh, these flowers are like, you know, gonna make you go crazy. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, I don't really. And it doesn't, but, uh, like, it doesn't explain, it doesn't explain itself at all. Nothing exciting happens. But that, yeah, that, that really does right. work. We should move on to uh, Terror Circus, a.k.a. Nightmare Circus, a.k.a. AKA Barn of the Naked Dead. A.k.a. Barn of the Naked Dead, yeah. Okay, uh... What's on the docket for our next uh, Alan Rudolph uh, uh, exploration, let's say? Will he continue his feminist hot streak? <laughs> well, we got Welcome to L.A. And Remember My Name. I think those are the two. Okay. Sound good? And uh, In the Heights, I believe. <laughs> I watched you the Heights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to uh, bonus features? We're going to do bonus features. Uh, are we? I don't know. Do you want to? <laughs> we can do it. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe we should just skip it and then come come back to it in a way that we just highlight a couple films next time. Yeah, I don't really have I don't really have much to talk about anyway. Oh, I've watched so many movies. The only thing that we could I, talk I about lot. is it's gonna go try my car because we both talked about wanting to have seen that. Before we made our 2019, no, 2021 lists. But that's okay. Yeah, who cares? All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)